Today, I'm talking to a founder who needed outside pressures that told him he needed a co-founder to get to the next level, which in his case meant securing institutional funding. So he found a co-founder by looking for someone with the most compatible skill set. Makes sense, right? But what he failed to account for were factors like mission alignment, long-term commitment, and the realities of startup life for a first-time founder. In this episode, we retrace the qualities that make a good co-founder and dig into the less conventional way of building a founding team without the all-or-nothing approach of the traditional co-founder relationship. So, Seanak, welcome to my coaching time machine. When, when, when are we going back to? Well, James, firstly, thanks, uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, so we are going back to 2016, uh, probably six years back. Wow. So what's happening for you in 2016? Well, I went through a founder or co-founder breakup in 2016. So when I started the company in 2015, I was the solo founder. And one of the things that happened for me is, I, I would say that happens to many founders who are in a mid-age, you know, not exactly in college, they've been you know, working for 10, 15 years and want to start a company. A question comes up is, do you, are you going to do it solo? Or are you going to kind of find another person with you kind of to go on the journey? So 2015, I started the company on my own, um, you know, funded it on my, from my paychecks and whatnot. And then um, I was looking for a co-founder because, um, that's the feedback I was getting from the investor world, from other founders to have somebody just so that, you know, it's less risky. You know, something happens, you know, they have always somebody with you. So it so happens that I found somebody who was, uh, you know, on paper seemed like would be a great fit for us, um, you know, had the skills, had the knowledge, um, you know, uh, had some of the experiences I was looking for added him to the team, uh, but, you know, within the first year, kind of realized that things were not working out, um, unfortunately, and I, and I won't blame that too on that person. It's kind of, you know, I would, what I would blame it to is the decision to kind of actually force fit a co-founder early in the game. So a sense of force fitting a founder into your plans. So, so today, um, the moment we're going back to, you're, you're splitting up, is that, is that correct? So it's, it's, it's really come to a head. It is. So, um, you know, so the, the, my journey was that, you know, started working with one another. Um, you know, of course, you know, the reason I thought I would have a co-founder is because he had some skills, which I didn't have. And uh, to be precise, you know, I was focusing more on the product and the business side, you know, trying to get the early customers, the first few clients, uh, trying to design the product, you know, based on feedback from the clients. And my co-founder's responsibility was to look into the architecture of the product, you know, only from a technical standpoint, manage the dev team. We had a very small dev team that time, you know, mostly outsourced to be able to create the product and deliver the product. And that's how we kind of design the responsibility sets. Um, so in on paper, we had the right complementary skill sets. Mm. Um, and on paper, we both wanted to kind of be involved and go for the long haul in the journey. But what happened in 2016 is that we came to the realization quickly is that a co-founder is not exactly somebody who just does the work, but the co-founder has more responsibilities uh, you know, to kind of go through the early struggles of a company. And of course, we were facing struggle, right? We were trying to raise money. We were trying to get customers. We were getting all this feedback. And the person I was working with, even though he was quite talented, right, but wasn't quite ready to make the investment that is needed 
uh, you know, depend, depend their, you know, situation in their life. And that created a tension mm. because at the end of the day, the work has to get done. You know, anybody who has started a company realizes, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what is important. Um, but other things came into kind of in the middle of it. And, and we kind of unfortunately had to go through that situation where we kind of, you know, he moved on essentially. Um, and then I stuck with the company because I kind of founded the company. I, you know, my capital was at risk at that point. So I could not just walk up away from that and, and then I've stuck to it. And then we kind of, you know, went through our own cycles of mm. growing the company from there. So you started it, you put your capital into it. You found someone who's like complementary skill set. You divide your responsibilities. You're going through fundraising, and you're deciding you come to put realization that you need to part ways, which is going to leave you without that skill set, without that partner. How how are you how are you feeling in this moment? Oh, it was uh, terrible. It was terrible because you know, in one hand, we had a crux of a company, so we had a few customers who were using a product um, in a you know pilot phase. Um, and we also had a product kind of that barely worked, but it did do some of the basic functions that we were trying to do. You know, you can imagine the early stage of building a company, but suddenly, you know, not having a key person that I thought I could rely on became a huge problem. And I was not very close to that code base because I was relying on that person to an extent to be able to pull that through. So uh, my saving grace was, you know, one of the things that I did is that I, I started building a network of people pretty early on in terms of people with technical skill sets, who are you know, consultants, who are employees in other companies, you know, for reasons for hiring them eventually, you know, so that was uh, one of the things I did, which is uh, something I highly recommend for founders who are starting companies to do, which is to think about the future as you're building and kind of start to build those relationships early. You know, in Sherlock, I was doing that. So I found somebody who jumped in right at that time and took control of the code base uh, to be able to help me out. Um, and I had some revenue and some, you know, investment just to kind of, you know, get that going for that time period. And, and the person that came in, do they come in as a replacement co-founder or do they come in as a uh, employee contractor? It's a great question. So they came in just as a contractor. So at that point, if there's one lesson that I learned and which is something kind of worth talking about is it's very easy early on to find somebody who has the skill. Funding is limited to kind of give and you can give equity. But even if you give equity to people, bringing somebody as a co-founder has repercussions. At least I realized by then is that even though I get somebody in as a contractor, if that person truly believes in the company, the product, the mission, and wants to invest their own time and energy, then at some point later on, I could make them a co-founder, but I didn't want to hire a co-founder. So, you know, the person we got in was a contractor who came in, who came in to just solve the very specific problem, which is to get control of the code base. I started directly managing the developers that we had in the team. So my role expanded because I was the sole founder at that point. Um, of course, it was challenging, but it also kind of gave me the insights of running the whole company, the whole operations. Um, and this person was a contractor for me for about a year and a half to take me through that phase. And they eventually decided to move on to another opportunity, which is completely fine for us, because by then I had control back on the company and the product so that I was not relying on that person to an extent. So... Mm. Uh, that kind of worked out pretty well for us. So it sounds like when when you very first started, there was this this 
narrative around you must have a co-founder, both for investors and other entrepreneurs. And that led you to a situation where you had a dependency on someone who wasn't as invested as you in the business. And in many ways, was a mock co-founder because it was your capital, not theirs. Is that correct? That's right. So it was my capital, my investment, my idea. I mean, you know, it was almost like, and, and this is kind of, you know, to take a step back is, which is who is a co-founder? You know, that's a kind of important question to ask is often, I mean, founders, especially early on, think that a co-founder is somebody who brings a skill set to a company, which is important because they have to be having some complementary skill set to be able to add value to the business early on. But there is also other factors such as mission alignment, which is with that person truly believes in the mission and the vision that you are building or whoever has started the company uh, is important because without that, there would be conflicts going down and which happens very often in companies. And the third factor is the, the commitment you know, on a personal level that is needed to actually be a founder or a co-founder of a company, which is beyond financial. It's beyond mission. It's actually kind of dedicating yourself to kind of really see through things, through ups and downs, which happens for every company, you know, pretty much every company, unless you're super lucky. Those qualities are very hard to judge. Mm. Very, very hard to judge. So you could judge that, let's say you are early in your life, you are, you know, in school, you know, in a dorm with a group of friends, and you've kind of, you know, seen those people in th through thick and thin, and you truly trust them, um, because you have enough history with them, and then you bring them as a co-founder, which is okay. It happens, right? A lot of companies get started in dorms by a group of, you know, essentially students who are getting together, but they know each other very well. They've been best friends probably, like since childhood. That works. What doesn't work is, you know, let's see your mid-career, which is a lot of founders start their companies 10 years after college. They're in a job somewhere, you know, doing their thing, and then suddenly they decide, okay, I want to pursue something, and they don't have those relationships because their friends have their own lives. At that point, what I've seen sometimes people end up doing is to kind of go out there, go to conferences, go to meetups, and try to find a co-founder who has the skill. And that is a very risky thing to do um, because you can judge skills, but you cannot judge the other intangibles that are extremely important to be a successful founding team. So... Why then do you think so that the received wisdom is have a co-founder? You know, I think the, the, there are a couple of reasons for that, which is startups that are going for funding rounds to venture capitalists, um, it is quite often expected by the VCs to see a founding team. And the reason they look for it is because they want to reduce their risk from their side. I mean, from an investor point of view, if there is a team in place, it gives them more comfort that, you know, if something happens to one person or they move on, the team, the company is not going to go down like because there are two or three members involved. So I think there is one reason VCs like that. But most mature VCs that I have interacted with, they also know the challenges of having any sort of founder disagreements because companies can also die because of founders not getting along. So even though there is a narrative from the VC world that you have to have a co-founder, but if you really unpack that, it's not just having a co-founder. It's having the right co-founder is kind of the most important thing. So so taking that learning into the current day, so you said you wouldn't start with a co-founder, but you might bring one through. Have you brought one through or are you still committed to the employee-based strategy, employee and contractor strategy? Yeah, so for, for us, what happened was 
you know, after that incident, the first next next couple of years, so I took control of the company and I kind of ran the company and I started hiring contractors. I didn't hire employees in the beginning. The reason was that we I wanted that flexibility in terms of my spend. Uh, and then later on, when once we had a little more stabler company in terms of customers and, you know, reputable revenue, then I started hiring employees. And some of those employees worked out, some of those employees didn't work out, which is what happens in startups. But then eventually in that process, I found employees who were really committed, really skillful, um, who came in, you know, essentially at junior hires in most of those cases, but then I quickly elevated them to senior management for the company who now um, essentially right now I have a leadership team which has various functional responsibilities and all those employees have come up with me and have been with me for the last three, four years and who are kind of running teams now and kind of running operations. And that's how we have grown it. I mean, we, we, we have not hired senior management talent, but we typically have hired those employees and kind of given them a lot of growth opportunity. It's interesting. You use the word commitment a lot. Is that something that has become more important to you since that moment or has it sometimes always been important to you? You know, commitment is something I see is important for startup companies. You know, so what happens is like, if you think about this, you know, the ecosystem we are living in, right? So if you have engineering talent, you can hire a lot of engineers are available. I mean, it also is hard to hire a good engineer, but they, if they join your company and within six months, they think that, okay, you know, I'm building this tool with this technology. I'm excited about Java. So I build my tool and then I want to go for the next shiny thing. And, and that, that kind of way of hiring and keeping employees is going to be extremely difficult because then you kind of constantly have this flywheel in the company and you can't really build anything meaningful with the customers. So for us, what we look for is we look for people with the right skill and experience and we look for what we call is mission alignment, which is not so much about commitment because it's hard to kind of have people who will be committed for no reason to a company, but they would be committed to the mission we are on. So if, we, if they truly like what we are doing and like the impact that we are creating with our customers, um, we see that as a commitment to the mission. And with that, they can stick with the company for as long as you know they want to. And we see better results. As a result, we see people who are with us for longer because of that alignment. So it sounds like you've gone through a bit of a shift then from looking for a co-founder who sort of was locked in for a long time, was committed, was kind of someone's gone the journey with you to the slightly nuanced view of commitment, like be committed to the mission. They might be here for a bit. They might be here for a long time, but it's that's not so important as long as they're committed to the mission. So now with the benefit experience, I, w- I wouldn't have rushed the hire. Do you think without your co-founder, you would have started the business? So, you know, for me, the unique thing was that I started the business on my own. So I started the business, I funded it, I started building the product. And when I was starting to get to raise capital, I got this feedback from some investors that you have to have a co-founder, which was one of the reasons I started looking for a co-founder in the beginning, right? So, you know, typically what happens is this, like, and this might be, you know, based on what I've seen is that companies get started by people who have a certain vision or an interest. 
there's always one person who comes with this idea or a vision, and then they go and try to find people to join in that mission. So there's always that founder, co-founder thing. So I think it's important for you to realize who that person is and uh, who is willing to go all in to kind of create that. And that's the founder in my mind. And then if I were to kind of, you know, advise an upcoming founder, I would always say that try to build that vision as much as possible out and then try to find the right people as opposed to trying to go around and find a co-founder to join in your mission. Okay, so if we, if we, if we play this through up until today, so you, you've, in this moment, you've kind of got a few clients struggling to fundraise, co-founder issue, decide to go on your own, bring in a contractor, get get product going. Where are you? Where are you today? After that happened, you know, it was a couple of years to get back control and make sure it took me more time. Uh, that's one thing that definitely happened is that it extended the time because I was now, given I was on my own, I was trying to execute at a certain pace and make sure that we're being more careful, right? To make the right decisions or the right hires and things like that. Um, today, you know, we, we have a team, um, you know, we have about 30 people in the company and we have a seasoned, um, you know, leadership team who manages various functions in the company now, um, in a very dedicated team because we look for mission alignment. So they are fully aligned with the mission of the company. Um, we work with, uh, colleges and universities, mostly in the U S we have about 150 universities now here using us. That's, that's quite the growth from, from that moment. If you were to, let's say, start again, like in the future, let's say you sold or you decided to launch a new area, do you think you would do it on your own or with a co-founder? So what I would do is that I would call it a team. It's a founding team. And, and then kind of make sure that we have an agreement in place that for whatever reason, if they, let's say, start with us, but six months down the line, something happens you know, we don't have any kind of dispute. So it's all kind of pre-agreed and everything is kind of, you know, in black and white. Um, that would be my preference. I do like to work with talented people early on. Um, so I would definitely want to do that with other people. So, so just so I'm clear there, so we say founding team, they're kind of, they're founders or they're employees? Yeah, they could be co-founders. You know, I, I've no, I mean, I think having co-founders is a great thing. But what I would not do is that just because I'm starting a company, whatever area it is, I need a technical person. It's a technical co-founder. I need a marketing person. It's a marketing co-founder. That's how typically the conversation goes. If you see like uh, a business co-founder, a technical co-founder, a marketing co-founder, I think that's a wrong way of thinking about it. I think the better way to think about it is that, okay, this is the company we are going to form. Let's say it's a fashion company. I'm just kind of, it's a fashion company. The product is X. This is what we want to do in the market based on the research that we have done. So I would do the research, come up with the idea, if I'm really passionate about it, like which is why maybe I want to start a company, really develop the plan as much as possible and then find people who are very interested to be part of the plan. They may have some skills that are unique and complementary. Bring them in as a founding team. And I, I think that would take a little bit of work to get that going, it's almost like building a team and then calling it a founding team hmm. um, and starting the company and kind of, you know, divide the the stock options or whatnot in a certain way. That makes sense, like based on their contribution, their time commitment um, and being very upfront about it. This is expectation. And, and, and that's how I'll kind of get started. But I do want to start with a team, uh, definitely. Even though it didn't work out the first time, doesn't mean I don't want to do it again the same way. 
so what sorry let's say you are going to build this founding team and you talked about this kind of alignment how would you go about judging that before putting the team together it's a great question it's very hard to judge as i was saying only without a experience like real experience so i would definitely spend more time with the founding team if i am bringing somebody in who you know i haven't worked for the last 5 years if i have somebody work for 5 years that's much easier decision but if i'm looking for a skill which is based on the space we are in or whatever space we are going to get into um i will spend a lot more time i'll look into their past contributions in that area i will see how much they are committed to that area i i think i'll spend a lot more time and and also have that conversation up front is that what it would look like if they do not continue mm. or meet certain goals so i'll have that very open conversation up front so that it's everything is clear and the same goes to me as well right let's say if i start a company and within a year i don't want to be spending the time into it whatever i committed to then i should not be in the cap table like there should be provisions in the cap table to kind of make sure that others who are actually spending the time get it so being absolutely clear from from day one is going to be i think that's how i'm going to do it get to know the person more be clear on what what the expectations are and then have very clear sort of financial equity parameters around meeting them not meeting them so it's kind of it's a very obvious path from day one and if you if you'd done that do you think with your original co-founder do you think you'd have avoided the situation you found yourself in so my my previous situation though i we did have an agreement in place we had an agreement in place it had um, basically the vesting schedule of options whatever was given i was on a vesting he was on a vesting so all of that was there um i think the issue there was just a lack of clarity and alignment very upfront what it takes to kind of get a company off the ground especially with people who have not become been a founder in the past right because sometimes we have to know that somebody might think that they want to be a founder or a co-founder but without having gone through that experience it's very hard to even judge that whether they will like it or not so it's not always the person it could be what they don't know is what they don't know so you know i mean i think being as upfront as possible about these things and there are always some things that are unknown and being very clear about it basically the idea here is to make sure the company can survive if one of the co-founders or founders is moving on mm-hmm. is important that's the path that has to be discussed up front i think the hard thing here is as you say people don't necessarily know what they don't know so you get a lot of people moving from big companies to small companies oh i want to be entrepreneurial entrepreneurial and if you're a small company oh it's super exciting someone from google wants to join me and then they join and it's like what do you mean there's not like a 20 person hr team who can help me out and what do you mean there's not like a so it doesn't really work or you get people go oh i'd love I love the idea of being a startup founder but actually then the reality is a kind of no pay long hours no resources kind of hits and it's quite hard someone might say oh no I'm I'm totally prepared to do that but they've never done it that's quite hard so how do you think you can avoid that or, or can you the only way to judge it is by seeing their past experiences especially if they have started a company in the past have they done a project on their own that they took to market um those kind of tangible experiences are always helpful we always like to hire people from smaller companies as opposed to larger companies for the reason that you pointed out so yeah it's it is a judgment at the end of the day 
you know, and I think as a, if, if somebody is starting a company, I mean, these are the experiences they will go through and they'll see all sides of these equations to kind of create a, some sort of a pattern recognition system by which you can start to kind of pick up things faster, you know, just by talking to somebody for half an hour to know whether they are actually going to be able to do this or not. So if you're doing for the first time, which I was doing for the first time, of course, I didn't have any data points. So I, I had to do with my gut check that time. But next time when I do, hopefully I'll make less mistakes, right, to kind of, you know, go through that process. Uh, but there's always a chance of a mistake even mm. there as well. Okay, so what, if there's one thing that sort of chatting it through again today has crystallized for you, uh, what would it be? It comes down to people at the end of the day. Because startups are, you know, you have an idea, you have a product, you know, customers, all those are very important. But without the right people and the right team, it's very, very hard to execute. So um, I, I think about, um, you know, co-founder, all the discussion that we were doing is like, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, having co-founders is a great thing. But just like choosing them properly and vetting the process properly is probably the most important thing. And and I've gone through that and, you know, it's, um, and I've gone through those experiences and, you know, it's not that I have anything like negative out of it. It's just that, you know, I had some experiences we had to kind of work through that to come to the point where we are today. So, but yeah, if, if you can avoid it, I mean, that's always better than trying living through that. People are the critical thing. Even with the best one in the world, you can choose the wrong person because you might just be choosing on skill set match rather than the underlying mission alignment commitment. That's a great way to put it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for today, Shauna. That's been fascinating. And thank you for sharing. As you heard today, coaching opens up a whole range of insights and areas to explore. If you have a potential moment to revisit on the podcast, or just want to learn more about coaching, book in for a 30-minute chat with me at peer-effect.com.